Welcome to the Sea Change Show, where leaders are changing business culture for good. I'm your host, Maura Barclay. If you are new to the show, welcome. We're so glad you found us and you did not find us by accident. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single conversation with these transformational leaders. And if you are a frequent flyer, welcome back, my friends. So glad to have you. Today is a little bit different. This is a highlight show. Every other week or so, I want to take some of the more salient pieces of our brilliant guests and unpack it a little bit from a perspective of culture, best practices, and how to apply these things in the field, so to speak. And one of the things that I love that were, oh gosh, this is the trouble. All of my guests, <laughs> they drop so many gems. I, I'm like, which one do I unpack? Which one do you think would be the most maybe relevant for people who are for white men in particular, who are interested and ready to take their first step into owning their, let's just say diversity of thought in their homogenized board or CEOs who are struggling to find a way to be in a diverse environment that is uh, a little bit more harmonious. And one thing that if you missed it, go back and listen to the amazing uh, uh, Daniel Epstein from the Unreasonable Group. He really just knocked my socks off. I I was so blown away by how much he taught me about humility and privilege and how DNA of a person and a person's mindset is almost by default is baked into the culture of an organization. If you're not paying attention to it, it can go sideways pretty quickly, which was one of the mistakes he said he made early on. Once he stopped doing what I call busy porn uh, as, as a young white male entrepreneur, right? Which is something that's is, is held in great esteem, which is uh, the grind show. It's the, it's uh, like, who can grind the hardest, who can suffer the most. When he decided to retire that practice, and he's very glad he did, he recognized that there's a different way. There is another way to move forward as a CEO. And the Unreasonable Group does incredible things. They, if you uh, haven't heard of them yet, they fund growth stage startups that are solving what he calls BFPs, big fucking problems, sustainability problems, global warming, um, solar, medical issues, poverty, all of these, all this, all the startups that they, the unreasonable, unreasonable group funds are contributing to the solutions to these types of problems. So he has an incredible, incredibly diverse international team that he works with. It's a small team and they have a lot of mentors and advisors, but the core team is, is quite diverse. And one of my questions to him was how, how is a sausage made? How do you as a white male who's, you know, presumably been indoctrinated into the conventional culture of leadership how do you do it? How do you, how do you be inclusive? And one of the things that he talked about is operating from a place of what he calls profound truths. And this is one of his mentors talked to him about this. And if you've never heard of a, 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 
<laughs> Let me see if I can get this out. If you've never heard of a profound truth, it is a truth that is not necessarily, I'm, I'm going to absolutely hack up this, this definition here. It's something that isn't necessarily, it's opposite is not untrue. So a simple truth would be, I'm standing here doing a, a highlight podcast and the opposite would be, I'm not. So that's a simple truth. A profound truth is, I'm trying to remember the example that, ah, here's a great example, is that vulnerability is one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate your strength. And those two ideas feel antithetical, but vulnerability is powerful, can be powerful at the same time. Although vulnerability is typically perceived to be a weak thing, semantically anyway. So essentially a profound truth is a conflicting idea or a paradox in which one must hold two conflicting ideas in equanimity. How many CEOs are trained to do this for when their MBA, you know, graduation rolls around? This is high caliber ninja practices right here. And the leaders that are doing this the most effectively are the ones who are getting the most from their diverse teams and seeing the financial benefits of that inclusion and belonging. So that was something that felt very worthy to unpack here. And one of the things that Daniel talked about is when he's in, and by the way, I want to preface this with true diversity should not be kumbaya. If you're having kumbaya, people are not telling the truth. <laughs> okay. That might be one of those profound truths. If you're having a lot of agreement, you have what I would consider either a homogenized team that is strategically ineffective because you're not getting the outside perspective that is going to broaden your uh, opportunity, your, your data, your data set. You're working with a very narrow data set if you're working in a homogenized group. Also, you're not representing either the core workforce or the community that you operate in. So that is another, that's probably a simple truth right there. So when he talked about the messiness, this is something I, I really want to put across. If you are having harmony, <clears throat> you either have a homogenized leadership team or false harmony. False harmony is people showing up about 75% but they don't feel safe psychologically to offer an opposing point of view. And this is different than being uh, oppositional, right? Very different than that. This is about offering data that suggests another vector of the idea, okay? It's not just saying no. So I wanna be clear about that. When Daniel shows up, in meetings and there is pushback, one of the things that he does that I think is so brilliant, and I would adopt this as a CEO. I mean, I'm a CEO, but I don't have a big management team, <laughs> right? My team is very small and my culture is very inclusive just because that's uh, me. So it's baked into my organization. When Daniel shows up and gets that pushback, which is essential, 
he asks them, well, what would you do different? And then once they give their perspective, he drills into it, not to prove them wrong or prove himself right. It is a genuine seeking of their, of their ethos, of their, their uh, reasoning, their rationale. That's where the data comes from. That is the vector that opens up the opportunity for innovation, for strategic thinking on a level that simply cannot happen if one, people are showing up in false harmony and two, the same people keep showing up. So I love this notion. So this is like point number one for CEOs, for anybody who's on a team and you're getting appropriate pushback and you are in a position to say, okay, what would you do? And let's be clear about this. This is a fact-finding mission. This is not a, uh, a, a tribunal. Energy is everything here. So when he sits in his humility and his vulnerability and asks very kindly with respect, all right, well, tell me what you would do. And then, all right, tell me about that. Why, why would you do it that way? Now you are, you are sort of building the consensus around alternate points of view, which is one psychological safety is obviously present or they wouldn't show up with that. So you have to have that that's present. So you can count on that. Number two, they're showing up with an alternate idea that might cause friction. So they're being authentic, which is where you get the traction without friction. There's no traction. So that's another piece of it. And then you have impact. And this is at the heart of belonging and the, the enormous dif dif distance between inclusion and belonging. Inclusion is a seat at the table. Belonging is your voice makes an impact. Your presence, your expertise, your skills, your talent actually make a difference. And that means that the people who are making the ultimate decision, the, yeah, the ultimate decision, especially if it's collaborative, they have taken it in, they have allowed it to change and uh, impact the outcome, regardless of whether or not people get quote unquote their, their way, there's an impact there. So that's number one. And you can see, I wanted to unpack that particular thing because not only is it a wonderful approach that keeps people encouraged and open to contribute an idea that feels a little scary to present. So it just handles all that. It's just such a great approach. And I wanted to layer in all of the psychological safety DEI aspects to that because you don't necessarily see them. They are invisible. And that is why DEI done right is sort of elusive because not a lot of people are talking about these pieces. So that's one of the actionable skills, or I would say uh, suggestions that you can take and use today. You can use it with your family. You can use it with your children. It is just a wonderful, respectful way to incentivize people to be authentic and come with their truth and offer their value. That's why you've got them there, right? So that's the first piece. The second one was we talked at great length about men not feeling safe and, and not, or, or not uh, allowing themselves 
to show up in vulnerability. And I asked Daniel about that. And he said, sometimes men need permission. And it occurred to me, I'm like, who's going to give men permission to do that? Most likely other men. That is what this show is all about, is for incredibly successful uh, strategic thinkers to tell other white men who share their, their ambitions and their success, hey, this is how I'm doing it, and it's producing consistent results. When men take the risk, and it is a risk, to show up and be vulnerable, nine out of 10 times, it works out great. I would say that 10th time that it doesn't work out great is if he has surrounded himself in a competitive culture. He has built a competitive culture that incentivizes people to pounce when that happens. And the competition is, is so aggressive that if you show up this way, you'll be devoured by your own people. So the first step is to create a culture that is conducive to uh, what I would call, I would call it productive vulnerability. I want to be very clear about that. Being vulnerable, we're showing emotion. This is a very powerful tool to move your team. And when I say productive vulnerability, it is the difference between sharing an emotion so people can see that you're human and you're just like them and you struggle. And sometimes you need them to support you and the Jerry Springer show. Nobody's trying to live as a bleeding wound at work. And for example, I had a, a wonderful conversation with a woman who's like the senior VP of sales at a enormous national insurance company. And she had just gotten divorced. They had just done a merger and it was like all 12 big wigs in the boardroom. She was representing, she was the only woman there. And I think she'd just gone through a divorce and I think there was a big custody battle and she had just hit her, her edge. <laughs> she hit her edge and I forget what prompted it, but she fell apart in the meeting. And she was like mortified that this happened, especially as a woman, because we don't have a lot of representation and many men who are not stoked about having women and people of color on their leadership teams, they're looking for that, you know, they've got confirmation by, if you cut them open, they'll bleed confirmation bias. They're looking for reasons. They're just looking for reasons. So like, yep, nope, she doesn't belong. Yep. Nope. Can't count on her. Nope. She weak. And thank goodness the CEO in that room stopped the meeting and first asked her if she was okay. And then said, see that everybody? That is what we're looking for. People who have the courage to show up and just be themselves. And sometimes you fall apart. Sometimes it's a shit show. I would rather have that and have it be honest. And I just like, I wanted to give this man a standing ovation because he, he called it out. He set the tone. He created a legacy with that moment because it invited the other men to let their guard down and be like, oh, oh, we can be human now. You see, as long as there is a culture where people are allowed to be human, it is critical for the CEO to model that with 
his own vulnerability. And that can come in a number of ways. And one of the things that Daniel said that I thought was so powerful is when you come in, come in with questions. So the way that you can demonstrate what, what I call productive vulnerability is without giving away your authority. Essentially, you are empowering your team to lead with their talent, skill, and authority when you ask for help. So the big pivot here for many CEOs who have been indoctrinated into command and control and you show up and you know what the hell's going on and you just need to make the decision, like, let's go, let's go, let's do the work that's in front of us. You know, I'm accountable, fiduciary duties, blah, blah, blah. If you can pump the brakes (laughs) for just a second and recognize that in between all of that, there are these negative spaces negative spaces for connection, negative spaces for humanity, uh, negative spaces to incentivize people to show up in a collaborative, kind, respectful way. That's all done through modeling. You can, we get a little bit of policy, right? But I always say an, an ounce of CEO commitment is worth a pound of HR. When you show up in this, this authentic way, you're giving all of your team, especially if you're surrounded like total badass, tough guys, um, they are human. And there is, I feel, a pressure valve that really wants to be opened. Everybody just needs to know that they're safe. I, you know, I created this show to, as much as possible, bring psychological safety to cisgender, heterosexual, middle-aged, rich white guys. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my, one of my Lance Loveday from Closed Loop, the CEO of Closed Loop described himself as, as like, I'm tall, rich, you know, heterosexual white guy. I was like, that's it. That's my audience. That, that's who I want to help, but not help, but that's who I would love to offer these moments to. And assure, assure these CEOs that as long as they have taken some care in intending the culture before they make that bold move, especially if it's a little, if it's new, they will be rewarded when they ask for help. There will be a dog pile of people showing up in their talent, their skills, and so freaking grateful that they can actually make an impact that there is collaboration happening here. So by flattening the hierarchy just a little bit, And these are very small incremental things I'm talking about. Uh, I would say just take those sharp edges off the the top there. It really encourages people to show up in their skills and talent. And this is, it requires the CEO to let go a little bit and show himself just, just a little bit because COVID affected everybody. And all of us have shit going on at home romantic relationships, going sideways, kid problems, labor shortages, buses, school buses. I just found out that the the YMCA had to cancel all but one or two summer camps where I live because of understaffing because they're having a hard time finding people. That means hundreds of kids who were signed up until 24 hours ago, their parents are now in a scramble. Now that parent has to show up to work. And if they work in a command and control culture, that's going to be difficult, right? And they might pop 
they might hit that ceiling and just fall apart. There goes productivity for the day. Sorry, folks. I'm just, I got it. I got so much going on. So this opens up the door by CEOs showing modeling vulnerability and baking that into the culture. It opens up the door for everybody. So instead of this pressure to hold it in and be distracted and not do a good job, you instead allow them to, to sort of jettison this human moment and then get back to it or take a break, right? So that all the work is optimal. All the work is ideal. That's, that's what we're shooting for here. So you certainly don't need my permission to show up human, but listen to what some of the men on my show have to say about it and how it emboldens and empowers and inspires, it inspires their staff. And they feel like taking care of their CEO, taking care of their quote unquote, taking care of their leaders is a great joy because this is not an emotional needy moment. That's not what this is. This is, I don't have the answers and I surrounded myself with smart people so that you could help me out. And maybe for some of you that is like, well, of course that's, that's the way. But my question is, a la Daniel Epstein, are you coming with questions or are you starting with, I know? That is a different way to approach it. All right, I think we've got it. I think that's enough to unpack. I want to thank you for listening to the highlight. Totally check that Daniel Epstein show out. It's episode number one. Can't miss it. It's phenomenal. And if you feel like you have a great story or you are actually doing this work, you are empowering diverse voices and bringing them into senior leadership. I want to know what you're doing. I want to celebrate you. I would love to interview you. And if you are a female CEO or a trans CEO, I have an interview with an out gay CEO who's also a person of color and talking to them about diversity is a very interesting conversation. So I want to get into the mess. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to explore this in, in great detail with as many people as are doing it. So you, your voice can be amplified to help those who are ready, but just don't quite know how to take that first step. So please remember diversity is messy, plan on it, count on it. And if you take that approach of tell me why, and you handle it with respect and equanimity, it will always, it will always wind up in authentic harmony, not always, but it will eventually, (laughs) it will wind up in an authentic place of resolution. And that is how the sausage is made. Thank you all again. I sure appreciate you. And I would love to talk to you. Reach out to me at cultureworks at morebarkley.com and I'll see you next week. So much for joining us here at the Sea Change Show. We sure appreciate you stopping by and taking your very valuable time to visit with us. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Who knows what's going to happen? I never do. It's always up in the air. And if you would like to be a guest, if you have something to offer, I would love to talk to you. Please email me at cultureworks at morabarclay.com. And that's M-A-U-R-A-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I would love to talk with you. And if you have someone who you think would be a good fit for this show, please reach out to me and connect me. I want to keep celebrating 
and amplifying as many of these voices as possible. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.